Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the first ever edition, one of our many series of podcasts we'll have going on on Bucky's fifth quarter. Uh, we're still working on the title, maybe Walk On Wisconsin or Walk On Wednesday. We're, we'll figure that out. But uh, welcome to Bucky's fifth quarter, another podcast. This is Jay Kokorowski. We got former Wisconsin tight end, former Walk On Joel Nellis with us tonight and this is a like i said a debut of a new series of a podcast here bucky's fifth quarter that is dedicated to highlighting uh, the walk-ons that are making the huge impact on the wisconsin badgers football team especially in 2016 huge impact stepping up uh, and we are going to highlight those as also kind of a supplement to what we have here at uh with Joel and I's book, Walk On This Way, the ongoing legacy of the Wisconsin football walk-on tradition. And obviously in stores on KCISports.com, on Amazon, uh, can go to Bucky's Locker Room, University Bookstore, Costco stores for that matter, uh, around Wisconsin too. So, uh, Joel, happy Wednesday. I know you happy and I are Wednesday. both tired. Walk on. Yes. <laughs> happy walk yeah. We're both tired. It's uh, but we're gonna we're turning this out. It's a it's a fun thing, uh, and you know, just talking about real quick. You know, give people your background. I know your story. I've talked to plenty of others about your story because we've talked to over a you know over a hundred interviews uh, with your former teammates, those that played before you, those after you, your coaches. Uh, multi, over, I think we had about 120, 130 interviews overall. But tell us your story and just how you got to Wisconsin and and what made you walk on. Yeah, so uh, I'm uh, from Madison. Uh, graduated from Madison Memorial High School in 2001, and uh, feel very fortunate to have kind of grown up alongside uh, Jason Palermo, uh, who was another scholarship athlete out of Edgewood High School, and his father happened to be the football coach that uh the defensive line coach at wisconsin for about 11 or 12 years and in the recruiting process i was able to check out lacrosse and other WEAC schools along with some of the schools in minnesota um but uh, coach palermo came and sat down with my family and and offered me an opportunity to walk on um with really only a guarantee of hey give it a year it wasn't actually a we're going to give you a year it was um you give us a year and and then you can help you know make your decision going on forward so um i took that opportunity to walk on and struggled early on but then uh realized everyone else struggles too college football is tough on everybody and decided to commit for the rest of my time and to play in five years and graduate with a degree in physical education uh earned a scholarship my last two seasons and did the majority of my playing time really my fifth year as a backup tight end behind um two-time pro bowler Owen Daniels and uh, Jason Posiak, who was also drafted uh, by the New York Jets. So feel very fortunate for the opportunity and uh, glad that we had the opportunity to, to share this book and about all the other players that uh, have contributed. And uh, it's exciting to be talking about them on a, on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah, we're excited here. And, and we'll let you guys know how long this runs. We're pretty excited just to – we're going to have – a lot of walk-ons on the show uh, or we'll interview them. You'll hear my interview with Ryan Ramchick, the starting left tackle, the former division three standout now getting accolades from 
you're looking at Pro Football Focus as a midseason All-American. He is up and down, uh, getting the the just due he he deserves for his play at left tackle so far during you know nine games through the 2016 season, and uh, you know we'll, you'll hear that you're you're going to hear other insights. We're going to hopefully get some other walk-ons, both current and uh, former, to talk about their time at uh, Wisconsin and what they've gone through. And, and so, you know, it's going to be a kind of a changing format. We'll see how this goes. This is the first first actual episode. And, you know, it's, it, you know, what, let me ask you, like, just, like I said, I mean, I think you said it on the radio. And maybe we hone, hone in on this part before we kind of go into last week's contributors in that big win where they exercise those demons in Evanston. But, oh, boy. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk about those contributions there uh, in just a second. But you know, like you talked about it on the radio, I think for ESPN with Madison, ESPN Wisconsin, uh, where you could have gone, like you said, gone the the lights of Camp Randall stood out to you on your official visit. What you know, what was the one? Is there one moment for you that it stuck up that it stood out? Do you remember one particular story where, yeah, I'm going to Madison? Is there was there <laughs> one particular moment for you? where you said, yeah, I'm taking this chance. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, life is really a matter of comparison. And um, so I had had the opportunity to, you know, take a official, not official, just unofficial visit. I went and saw Winona State play Cordia St. Paul, and, and it was a neat environment. You know, I'd been in a high school that we fielded some decent crowds, but nothing like a really college football environment. And then I was fortunate enough that um, pretty much every game day I was on the recruiting list and was able to go there and meet some of the players. And, um, you know, lacrosse was a place I was interested in because I knew I wanted to pursue physical education. And I remember going, having been to, obviously, a couple Badger games, you know, 75, 80,000 people. You're on the, the turf to start the game. Then you go up in the stands and you're connecting with guys who are you know, two, three, four-star recruits from around the country, and then you go to lacrosse, and obviously, and now I, this is not a knock on the WEAC, it just, and I think they've done a better job of fan involvement, but I remember being in the stands, and someone scored a touchdown, and half the fans didn't seem to know what was going on or care, and I'm like, man, this is the total opposite of uh, Camp Randall Stadium, and, uh, you know, I realized I could have played there and, and given that a shot, and maybe even continued to play quarterback, but um, you know, I really felt like, man, if I'm going to give this a chance, why not go big? And, uh, <laughs> and obviously, and so I, I think just coming back and realizing, man, I, yes, I can do that. Um, uh, but if I have this opportunity, I may as well run with it. And my best friend, obviously, time, and I felt really comfortable because I had known most of the staff kind of growing up in that house. So I mean, it was a really big comfort level for me. And then just figured, hey, I can give this a shot. You know, it seemed a worthy, a worthwhile investment. Absolutely, and you hear that it's a common theme where people, where players had that opportunity to to go to another school, or play, you know, either Division three or, or Division two, or just even in the F- FCS. Uh, for like Ethan Hemer, for example, went to, could have gone to Illinois State, uh, but they wanted mm-hmm. to take a shot at Wisconsin, and you did, and, and Ethan Hemer did, Jared Aberdaris did. Uh, countless others, uh, and that's what makes this yeah. legacy uh, so impressive. Uh, that players in state they know of Wisconsin the tradition. Barry Alvarez really clamped down on the wall, you know, letting the talent out, out of the state. He put put up a wall, and 
you've seen the fruits of that and you've seen the success and it's built off of that throughout the years. Uh, and, and you've seen that this year, uh, 2015 last year was a, a crazy year where your quarterback, your leading rusher, your leading wide receiver, uh, and your starting tight end. We're all tight end. Uh, we're all walk on. You know, like how do you, how does that happen? Uh, and they still won 10 games. Yeah. You can complain, you can complain about the schedule being light or whatever you want to do with that, but still 10 wins in a season and you beat you USC at the end of the season, a respected program uh, is uh, a remarkable accomplishment. Uh, and, and you know, you're starting linebacker outside linebacker. One of the two is an all American and an all conference yeah. and the big 10 linebacker of the year who was one day away from traveling to North Dakota and, yeah. uh, makes the call there. And so uh, last year, there's a significant contribution of walk-ons this year. You're not going to have a a walk-on receiver or a quarterback lead the team in that area, but you're seeing still significant contributions. Uh, And, and you're, let's just go into last week's game against Northwestern for that matter, where right off the bat on defense, right? Uh, and you and I both yep. talked about this before doing this podcast, uh, a guy by the name of Ryan Conley, who I had a chance to talk with the past couple of weeks, <laughs> chatted with him a little bit, yep. uh, you know, and, and we didn't get him in the book. So he's on the list. Uh, we're hoping in future versions to really go in deep about the story. He is the definition of what you and I call a glue guy, a, you know, a guy yep. that fits in his role that goes in and he's done this against LSU when Chris Orr went out, with a season-ending knee injury on the first offensive play for the Tigers. And you have T.J. Edwards out. So you have Ryan Conley and then another walk-on, Jack Sitchi. Then So you have two walk-ons in the middle against Leonard Fournette and what was supposed to be a vaunted running game for the Tigers. And he records seven tackles in that game. One on a huge screen pass on a third down in the fourth quarter that, that really could open the floodgates oh, yeah. and really could have changed that complexion of the game. Right. So he has seven tackles mm-hmm. goes, you know, plays here and there sporadically uh, when, you know, Sitchi and, and TJ Edwards both uh, were, were back. And next thing you know, you have Sitchi go down, uh, you know, at Iowa, he Conley steps back up the week after against Nebraska, 11 tackles, co-defensive player of the week uh, for the big 10 last week. And then, you know, goes out uh, against Northwestern starting opposite Edwards on the inside, eight tackles, including a tackle for a loss. Uh, and, you know, again, one of those players that uh, plays well, he's fast. Uh, he, you know, I don't know if he has the closing speed of, of Sitchi, but he's pretty darn close. And you saw in the game uh, against the Wildcats, Joel, that you know, again, another player that steps up and a theme with a lot of walk-ons, they take advantage of that opportunity when that calls. They don't know when it's going to be called, but they take care. They 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 see it, and they take full advantage of it. Yeah, and to me, you know, it's funny as you keep as you as the tradition continues to grow. I'm really surprised that more Wisconsin fans just don't expect that to happen. You know, I I think it's funny when well, obviously Chris Orr goes out, and there wasn't a lot of time for sort of mass hysteria to happen. Um, but then, you know, and then he calmly steps up and plays well, and you just kind of knew that. I mean, there's not going to be a guy in the too deep for Wisconsin that they don't trust, and especially on defense. 
and obviously one of the, the credits that the walk-ons always get is, yeah, they may not be as fast, but darn, man, they're they're always in the right spot, and they're leveraging their talents, like you mentioned. You may not have that step, but, you know, he's going to be in the right spot at the right time. And then, you know, Jack Sitchie goes out, and obviously you never want to lose a player of that caliber, and he's having a phenomenal season. But some people, I think, just totally overlooked, you know, what, what, what Conley had added to the team, um, and obviously he's not a household name yet, but he will be. Um, like you said, in later versions of the book, he'll be a guy we talk about. Um, and he's just going to step up and do his thing. And there is no, there should be no concern, no worry, um, because you know that there's a guy they trust. And like you said, he had a big game against what was a top-five team then in LSU, and, um, you know, and, and he rolls with it. And so obviously uh, it's exciting to see the success that he has had and really know people should have no doubts or concerns with him in the ball game, regardless of the opponent. And that's exciting to see. On the offensive side of the ball, a player that you and I both know pretty well, um, just uh, with a very distinct name, Dare Ogunbowale, having the uh, one, he's named a semifinalist for the Burlesworth trophy that, which is given the award given to the best player in the nation that started his career as a walk on. He's named mm-hmm. one of ten, uh, for, you know, ten uh, you know players that uh, have that honor, uh, so, and, and he's contri- con- you know continuing a tradition that was set from you know Jared Aberderis won it in 2013. Joe Schobert was a semifinalist last year. Aberderis even before that was a semifinalist uh, and, and nominees. Like he was, his name was littered like three straight years. I think if I'm not mistaken on that, <laughs> on that award, but also Marcus Trotter yeah. was a nominee. Brady Ewing, uh, our good friend uh, in 2010, when the award was, you know, started. Uh, and, and so it, you've seen almost every year a walk on be nominated from, from Wisconsin for his uh, contributions to the team. And for Agumbawali, a team captain, uh, against Northwestern, only three carries, 12 yards, uh, caught one pass for negative two yards. But, you know, his contributions, and you're seeing this with the offense this year, Joel, and let me know if you agree or disagree on this, but just it seems mm-hmm. like a certain player stepping up every year, or every week, I should say. You're having, you know, this week, Jazz PBI, 144 all-purpose yards uh, you know, for the Badgers, including that 46-yard touchdown on the end around. But, the week before, Ogumbawale, 120 carries, uh, 120 yards on 11 carries. Five of those 11 runs were for 10 plus yards, and on top of that, uh, you know, eight of those 11 carries were out of 11 personnel or three wide receiver sets, and they're using a, a draw, a stretch play. Uh, you know, that just speaks to, and, and you know, he hasn't had a lot of yards. You know, he has 350 yards mm-hmm. on the season through nine games, but. Again, a player that's unselfish, that uh, is right now a role player, but he stepped up last year as a leading rusher when Clement was uh, Corey Clement was injured. Uh, it's it's really intriguing to see a player, a converted cornerback like Daré, uh, really step in uh, and fill a void in you know where he's needed. Yeah, and I think it's hard to especially especially at the running back position at Wisconsin. You know, you really you really want to be the guy and. But I think at the same time, um, you know, he, his leadership ability and the the culture that he's helped to create, and it was kind of evident by some of the stuff that, you know, was posted this week. And, um, you know, the, but the culture of the team, I think, really thrives. And, and as you as fans note from the uh, 
the um, in-game promotion of, you know, Ask a Badger who would be president. Uh, Dare was the, seemed to be the overwhelming choice. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think he really, if you're going to be in that position, especially with a guy like Bradrick Shaw that's coming up and, you know, scored and, and had a big game and is now poised to have a, you know, be a, be a difference maker on offense. If you look at his role, it, some would say, oh, maybe it's diminished, but he can, co- he can still be a guy that comes in and creates a spark. And um, I'm sure there's an energy when he gets in the huddle. I'm sure, you know, he's not going to be concerned and, and, and no one's going to bat an eye if, if he's in there. And, you know, it's really neat to see how they gel. And, and sort of a side note, and this story doesn't pertain to Dari specifically, but my, my dad had a chance to go to practice the other day and he had mentioned that Corey Clement was there and uh, standing nearby them. And the gentleman that he was, my dad was with, had mentioned something, oh, that was a nice, you know, touchdown the other day and said, kind of passed it off as not a big deal and my dad mentioned like well you know you did it was a pretty nice run you know it was a pretty nice you did run the ball in the end zone he goes no the the team scored that touchdown you know so I I don't think that you know if you look at the famous line of remember the Titans attitude reflects leadership um, I think comments like that kind of give you hope that you know Dari and Vince and the rest of the seniors and, and the rest of the guys really have the right attitude about what it means to be a team and they don't really care who gets the credit. It doesn't seem like anyone's talking about that. And uh, I think that there's the real impact of, of what he has to offer and doesn't seem to care who gets the credit, who gets the yards. They're just there to win football games for the University of Wisconsin. And that's not something you see around the country. Now, from special teams, you're looking at the fact that uh, a mixed bag, uh, Andrew Endicott, we got to meet his parents at one of our book signings uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, uh, two of four. Uh, missed a chip shot 35-yarder, but came back to hit a 40 and a 28-yard one. Missed from 51 yards that would have uh, given the Badgers uh, a, a bigger lead. Uh, and It almost sparked a, a Northwestern drive that could have put them up uh, 14-13 uh, instead of uh, you know a, a 16-7 game. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, then again, 51 yards is nothing to scoff at. And uh, you know, you've, you've seen his struggles. But, uh, you know, but he's also done well, 3-3 three three against Ohio State. Uh, but you also have, on, on the other side, as a kickoff specialist, the guy that beat him out for that role, P.J. Rozowski, having a phenomenal year, four touchbacks out of five, averaging 60, almost 65 yards, a kick, uh, you know, a kickoff. Uh, you know, being, you know, knowing, you know special teams quite well. You know a lot of specialists yeah. that we also spoke with for the book. Uh, you know what? What's the frame of mind like? What are you seeing from those two uh, that that stick out to you? Well, I was fortunate enough to go to the Ohio State game, and <laughs> I had I don't think I had seen PJ kick off before, and I know that he was a kickoff guy. And you're like, and the first one goes, and it's just like, holy cow! Like, what, where did this kid <laughs> come from? Because you're like, wait, isn't he a punter? You know, I'm so confused. So typically, guys don't don't always double dip in that in that realm. Um, um, so you know it, it's really neat to see that as and and again as the kickers you know work to figure out their roles within the team and um and obviously Lottie figuring out you know is, is being the guy to fill in the punting role and who can help out um you know as far as as Endicott goes I I having been around the kickers um and having interviewed a number of them for the book you know you you appreciate them and their in their skill and and the kickers that I was fortunate enough to play with were all great athletes they were phenomenal athletes coming out of high school. They were kids that wanted to compete. They valued competition. 
uh, you know, I don't know what people perceive kickers to be. And, you know, if you're following me on Twitter, then, you know, I, I threw a tweet out there about everyone seems to be a kicking coach um, because it just seems so simple. And, uh, and I said that if, you know, for all the other people that are not qualified to play college football, kicking would be the top of the list because it's, it's a, it's a heavy psychological skill that you have to overcome. You know, if anyone struggles in golf, it's kind of the same thing. Um, and then, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's not easy to put the ball to the uprights at that level with all that pressure. So, you know, I think, I think Andrew and, and will continue to grow and, and be a difference maker for the team. And you could see it when, I mean, he was almost inconsolable when he missed that kick against Nebraska because he knew how important it was. And, and my big thing to press upon people is that the kicker doesn't go out there trying to miss it. He doesn't want to let his teammates down. He knows that uh, how hard everyone works and, and, and how that falls on his shoulders. And uh, they're well aware of that with every kick. Um, so, you know, you always got to have a little bit of leniency and know that they're trying their best. And they're a valued member of the team, and their teammates would echo that as well. So, Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it was kind of disgusting. Not kind of. It, it was disgusting to, to hear about, you know, Jeff Petrikas had that article talking about how fans, he was getting hate tweets and, uh, you have to realize that they're, you know, they're kids. They, you know, and it's, it's one of the game. Yeah. You want them to win. They want, you want them to succeed. You want, you know, obviously you're a fan of the program, but come on, like telling a kid to drink bleach is disgusting and despicable yeah. uh, on, on that yes. note, you know, especially for a kid that, you know, and, I, and you know, he's the kid that walked on. It's not just a scholarship. I mean, he earned a scholarship too. So it's, but it's yeah. one of those things where you're putting so much sacrifice that, and uh, it, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a pathetic display by uh, a lot of Wisconsin fans, which I mean, also carried over to what was in the stands uh, that game against Nebraska as well, yes. uh, with the, with the two boneheaded idiots that did that. Um, and uh, not not going to sugarcoat that. Uh, with uh, oh. anything, oh, go ahead. No, you're good. No, I was going to say we. Uh, I think we kind of hit the head, by the way, on all the uh, pretty much. Uh, Everyone that stepped up, uh, okay. So the, all right, Troy Fumagalli forgot two catches, 18 yards. He t- is tied for the team lead in receptions with Jazz PV. On that note, I, I believe both have 31 on the season. And uh, uh, one more little known fact: uh, you also had uh, Xander Newville, uh, the yes. converted t- uh, tight end. Yes. Uh, and also, I mean, you know, Brian Conley told us this story for the book, and you guys won't, probably won't, you guys won't see this on there, but Newville and Conley both got their scholarships around the same time, and both uh, mentioned, you know, uh, according to Conley, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was you know, both volunteered to be long snappers uh, for for the team because they, you know, besides uh, Connor uh, Utilhoven, he. You know, there was no no one else. There's still technically, I mean, Newville technically is now the backup long snapper, uh, but uh, oh, nice. he had, yeah, uh, that's on the depth chart. So he is, uh, he returned to kick off 13 yards uh, last week. So uh, kudos to him uh, getting the rock there, number 85. Uh, so, you know, and what we're going to do, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna well, play an interview. One th- oh, go ahead. Uh, so the one thing that, that Xander has going for him is, you know, he surely should know that, pretty much all the successful tight ends at Wisconsin were always converted from some other position. So he should feel like <laughs> you know, he should feel very honored that he got moved over, which means they just, they maybe have like ordained him the next guy, you know, like, Hey, we think you're special. We're going to move you to tight end. And that, that means something here. So, um, you know, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Owen Daniels was a converted quarterback 
Travis Beckham was a converted outside linebacker. Lance Kendricks was a converted receiver. Uh, Andy Crooks was a converted linebacker. Yep. Um, so all the – Garrett Graham was one of the few the proud that uh, stayed the course of a position. <laughs> uh, uh, my good friend Sean Lewis, who's currently a coach at Syracuse, he was a converted quarterback. Yep, so they great. just – you know, they convert you. They must mean something – it must mean something special. So – uh, hope his career, you know, continues to to, to grow and uh, contributes to this, you know, this more this year and then as well in the future. Yeah, I mean, and, and not just that, you know, you, you hit it on the head about the converted position players, which you, you see a lot of at Wisconsin, especially, I mean, Ryan Conley himself for being a walk-on, former court, quarterback in, uh, in prep, and you look at it, there's a lot of former quarterbacks uh, that are quite athletic on this Wisconsin team from T.J. Edwards to Zach Bond, who are now linebackers. Uh, and, and there's a multitude of that. Alec Ingold, the former state player yeah. of the year at Bayport, uh, now is a 240-pound fullback uh, that's starting. <laughs> uh, so uh, you have that. Uh, and it's um, and also, Troy Fumagalli, when we talked to him this past week, I said, I kind of pointed out to him, I go, that's, I mean, you had Newville in there, you had Kyle Penniston in there last week. You also had, I mean, that, he said to me that was the most that they've really seen because they utilized a lot of two tight end sets against the Wildcats, and one, you know, from a guy acknowledged that to help out Ingold, who, you know, is still learning position. He just transitioned over from fullback to, or from halfback to fullback, or tailback to fullback. But you have a fact that, you know, like, they had a lot of two tight end sets, but they utilized Newville a lot. They utilized Fumagalli. They they had Penniston and and, and Steffes. And uh, so, I mean, Paul Chris right now, the offense is a team, uh, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. It, it's a team aspect for this offense where someone else is stepping up every week or it's a combination of players. It's not just Corey Clement. Uh, I got asked that earlier this week in a Q&A for, uh, with our Illinois State on SB Nation. It's not just uh, one player that's kind of the workhorse. The running game, I would say, is a central theme of their, of them starting to get, gain that success again offensively, but uh, – a player each week is stepping up in different ways. And so, uh, I mean, I think it'll need to continue until the offensive line continues to coalesce and, and maybe then you'll start seeing some more runs and that may happen against Illinois, who's given up over 190 yards rushing on the ground and uh, outside of their, you know, impressive defensive line. Uh, it could be a field day for that running attack, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that after the break. What we're going to do right now is play our interview with Ryan Ramchick, the, Mid-season All-American from Pro Football Focus was been noted by several, I believe it's like Sports Illustrated, I think, uh, I believe ESPN, uh, you know, multiple uh, media outlets naming them to their mid-season All-American team. We'll talk to him, him about his beginnings, uh, just adjusting to Division One, uh, and also who's got the best mullet between John Dietzen and Vince Beagle. So that's a little <laughs> bit of a tease for you guys. It's uh, So that's a running theme for uh, hopefully we're going to put that up later this week on Bucky's Fifth Quarter. So you guys enjoy. This is Ryan Ramchuk here on Bucky's Fifth Quarter in Walk-On, Wisconsin. We're here with Ryan Ramchuk uh, here on Bucky's Fifth Quarter and the, the Walk-On podcast, the Walk-On Wednesdays. And Ryan, you know, uh, how are you feeling right now? He- you know, heading to way was it like you know how many games are already into the season and and has it gone by too fast for you does it feel like it's gone by way too fast yeah it's you know looking back at it all the games he played it, it has gone by really fast um it's hard to believe we're at illinois already um only a couple of games that left after that and yeah it's it's definitely gone by quick that's than i anticipated <laughs> when it comes to that too i mean and then 
Uh, you know, your name's been on a lot of mid-season, pre, you know, mid-season All-American awards, uh, which uh, you know, coming from Division Three up to, to, to Wisconsin, just uh, and uh, you know, Coach Chris has praised you guys in terms of taking it one game at a time. Have you guys stopped a chance to think about things like that, or has it been just focusing on the opponent at hand, which is going to be Illinois uh, this week? Yeah, I think Coach, you know, really emphasizes each week, each week mentality, focus on your opponent each week. And I think that is really important for us guys not to look ahead too far and, and see into things. Cause it's just a distraction that you don't, you don't need to really concentrate on. So week to week has, has been big for us as a team. And when it, uh, what have you seen from your development from even the beginning of the year where you know, you're starting your first collegiate game against LSU to now where you're facing the final line? Where have you seen yourself grow from you know first game of the season to now? Yeah, I think there's been you know a lot of small improvements in my game uh, from week one. Um, you know, just little little technique things, uh, staying square on my pass set, uh, staying lower in the run game, getting my hand placement in the right in the right place. Um, so just just little things like that. Now, even before that, you know, we heard from you know uh, like Joe Schober, Vince Beagle last year, just you know praising you and what you you know going against them against the scout team just. Uh, Transitioning even from like what was like some of you from Division three to you know Division one like how much of a adjustment was that going from Stevens Point to, to Madison uh, both on the field but also just adjusting to, to another university. Yeah, um, you know I've, I've said before it's just you know speed, strength, size you know it all increases as you go up in divisions. So that was the biggest difference and um, I think I think I adapted pretty well. Um, it was nice to have that year off and really. You know, be able to play against our defense, which obviously was a great defense. So that really helped. Um, and then, you know, coming from little Stevens Point, you know, <laughs> hunting and fishing all the time over there and coming into the big city, it's, it's, it was definitely a change. Um, but it, it's it's been good. I like it a lot. What was the, what what change, uh, what prompted you to, to come to Madison? Did you reach out? Uh, how did that come to be? And what led you to come to you know come to the University of Wisconsin? Yeah, you know, I, I talked to my parents a lot about it, and and it was kind of you know a personal decision. I wanted to see how far I could take football, my football career, and then see you know just how good I really can be. Um, so that's. That's really how it started, and then I reached out to my high school coach, um, you know, who had some connections, and, and kind of got the ball rolling from there. And, and uh, what was the conversation that you had with the coaching staff here? And when, when did you get to Madison? And, and what, was, what were some of the conversations that you had with, in terms of making that, getting that opportunity, to, you know, to play for the Badgers? Yeah, um, I met with Coach Rudolph and Coach Herring um, know, sometime late spring I think and then I came here in the summer um, I really didn't have that much communication because uh, uh, NCAA rules you can't talk to coaches unless you're released from your school so um, it was kind of a, a long transition in the fact that I ne- like I didn't know if I was coming here officially or not you know transfer all my classes and whatnot but at the same time when it happened it happened really fast and I was here you know training in the summer so um, it was a good transition. And uh, last question, and probably the most, most important difference, you know, we were doing a bucket fifth quarter, a poll, selection week, best mullet, John Dietzen, Vince Beagle. Got to go with my boy, John Dietzen. <laughs> he rocks it pretty good. Uh, it's pretty strong.
<laughs> uh, uh, thanks to Ryan for joining us. Uh, and uh, again, just uh, I know Paul Christ has, I think, I think he told us when we spoke with him for the book, Joel, just how he uh, he's had fun watching him play. And I think I think that's one of the things you'll hear. Uh, from Coach Chris, and when he, you know, and I, he enjoys watching all the players. But when he says like, you know, they're they're fun to coach or they're fun to play, it's a that's a, a real positive compliment on that. And anything that you've seen out of Ryan in your, t- you know, watching him, I mean, it's one of those things where you haven't heard it from him. And so, you know, is it the oh, if an offensive lineman isn't doing anything, you know, if you're not hearing his name, he must be doing something right, you know, uh, or, or or like what have you seen from his game? For you being a former player, yeah, you know I think it's funny when you get the the uh, all the attention, um, you know, and his preseason hype was pretty big concerning an offensive lineman, but obviously, um, you know, guys like Vince Beagle and Joe Schobert said that he was their toughest guy they saw all year, and that was being <laughs> on the scout team. Uh, that says a lot. So I think it's been fun just to watch him, and you know, there's times it's hard. I mean, I'm an offensive line coach currently at the high school level, and um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the times you you probably can get exposed in the past game, and it's one on one, and um, it's pretty neat to to watch him. You know, be able to use his hands really well, and be able to sit and anchor, and doesn't seem to get beat around the edge a whole lot. I mean, there's a it's a it is a hard job to do to be a left tackle in college football, major college football today, and, and that's obviously you know why Joe Thomas is such a unique find, and he's been able to do it so well for so long. But I'm just really impressed that. Like you said, he doesn't always show up. You know, he's not the guy that's they're giving up a pressure or a sack. And he's always seems to be on his technique and, and be able to play against any defensive end they have out there. So I've always just kind of focused on him and he seems to be doing a great job at that left tackle position. Now heading into this week, Ramchick's gonna have to deal with uh some impressive defensive linemen for Illinois. This is a team now, you know, they're rebuilding underneath Lovey Smith. Let's just say that three and six, two and four, and or, or, uh, or yeah, two and six, uh, one and four in the Big Ten. And you know your face. No, 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 no. Wait, no, that is three and six and two and four. It, that gotta love the yeah. Illinois game notes for uh, screwing you up on that, right? Uh, that's good. Uh, uh, so, uh, with uh, going off of that, Illinois has, you know, some impressive defensive linemen. They have Dwayne uh, Smoot. If Carroll Fields both have com- I mean, combined 26 and a half tackles for loss and 10 sacks between them. You also have uh, probably one of the greater names of college football, Chunky Clements, six and a half mm-hmm. tackles for loss, 3.5 sacks on that. And, and, you know, Wisconsin, it's a, they're, I think they're getting Illinois at the right time. I think uh, with the way that this team the offensive line now, you only saw one set combination of offensive linemen last week uh, against Northwestern. It allows them to coalesce some more to, to you know, work on that chemistry. I think that's a sign of good things to come for this Wisconsin offensive line. Uh, and, uh, you know, with that, too, they're taking on an Illinois on the running game where they're only averaging less than 330 yards per game on the, on the you know, the total for offense. But 160 of those are coming through uh, the running backs and in, in, in the running game, uh, and, and this is our what we'll call our walk-on to watch segment for the next game ahead against Illinois. Homecoming 2:30 ESPN2. Uh, who is your walk-on to watch this week against Illinois? 
I think uh, Fumagalli would be my choice. Uh, you got to go tight ends the first time you ever do this, being a former <laughs> tight end. But, um, you know, it's easy to pick Dari, I think, in a, in a game where you think it's going to run heavy. But the one thing I love about Coach Chris play calling is that you know, he's not afraid to throw the ball and take some shots uh, on first and second down. And I think if you, you know, if you get, we're obviously a run-dominated football team, but, you know, being a pro style, we can kind of do it all. So, you know, I think Fumagalli, while he's typically been a pretty good third-down target, um, you know, just, you know, some concepts. I remember right in college that there's opportunities to, you know, capitalize on some on linebackers creeping up and um, I would have a chance to hit some middle, those middle gainers uh, for, you know, multiple first downs. And so I would look for Fumagalli to have a big game. Um, especially if you're, you know, focused on the run, trying to stop it. Uh, so if you're a team that's been trying to stop the run and trying to stop the run and trying to stop the run, sometimes you can get too focused, and then that's when big plays open up for the, the offenses. Yeah, on that note, too, uh, looking at Illinois' defense, giving up over 407 yards per game, 215 through the air, and that includes uh, 11.8 yards per catch. So that could be a big game if if you have Hornerbrook and Bart Houston uh, continuing, hopefully, to make strides. Uh, you know, if you're a Wisconsin fan, you want to see that. If you're Wisconsin, you want to see that uh, that progression. And, and Fumagalli uh, could be that huge target. I'll go Ryan Connolly uh, just because, again, inside linebackers, um, Sitchie's out, Orr's out. He's played well, second on the team in tackles last week. Uh, you know, tied for the team lead against Nebraska. Uh, I think he's going to continue to show up. Uh, he's got the demeanor, the, the next step up. And, you know, he told me last week that as a walk-on, you're not just there to be, you know, I, I really appreciated this quote. I'm sure you will too, being a, a former walk-on that, you know, he's like, come in here. I didn't expect just to be here. I came here to contribute right. and, and make, and, and that's uh, a sign of maturity, but also, you know, just a sign of just the, ability of the walk-ons and the, the legacy and, and how it's been built off and how it's kind of just stepping stones from Corey Manley uh, to Joe Panos to Chad Cascadian and Sam, and Chris Hine and, and Sam Vite and these players laying the foundation in this division one, you know, only division one school in the state. And they, they work their way up uh, and you see the success and they always get that opportunity. Like they're, they're getting, you know, a lot of players are, are told you'll get an opportunity. You just don't know when. Uh, but you have to take right. advantage of it. And I think Connolly's done that. And against a rushing attack right now, like I said, 163.2 yards per game. You're looking at guys that uh, you have Ken, you know, Kendrick Foster, almost 600 yards rushing. Uh, Reggie Corbin, about 421. And it's, uh, you know, the, the team at total is averaging 5.2 yards per rush uh, on the season. So I think Wisconsin's run defense, again, one of the top, in the nation, I think they clamp down. They make Illinois one-dimensional. That's going to be due in part to an underrated defensive line with your former student, Chikwe Obashi. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, I know uh, I joked with him and Alec James a little earlier today uh, during player availability, but uh, I think they plug up the uh, the line, and you're going to see guys like, uh, like T.J. Edwards and definitely Ryan Conley and Leon Jacobs make plays. So I'll, uh, I'll go that route uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So I don't know. I, I think this went well. I think this is a, yeah. a solid first show. Uh, we're going to continue to improve and, and make some adjustments and add some uh, fun and games, hopefully uh, to this. But um, yeah, 
Yeah, anything else you want to add on before we uh, take it home? No, excited to see the Badgers play this this homecoming. And uh, we have a book signing coming up here on Saturday at 11 o'clock at the University Bookstore on State Street. So uh, love to come out and, you know, everyone – even if you're not going to purchase a book on site, well, uh, we'd love to meet you and, and, you know, shake your hand and talk about the walk-on program. It's something that we're both very passionate about and excited about Wisconsin football. So. Absolutely. Again, it's 11 o'clock, 11 to noon, University Bookstore on State Street in Library Mall. Come join us. Say hi. We're not shy. I promise you. Uh, coming from uh, you know, coming from you, Joel, that have take, has given many many speeches and, and and just been very open. And you're a football coach, and me donning the old wrestling tights in my independent wrestling days in college. Uh, <laughs> so you and I are not shy, uh, and and no. spandex does not lie. I can guarantee no, you that spandex does not lie. I agree. <laughs> so I uh, just want to thank everybody again. Uh, listening to the for this first episode of Walk on Wisconsin, Walk on Wednesday. I think maybe we'll stick with Walk on Wisconsin for now, uh, yeah. just because UW is taking has taken Walk on Wednesday uh, for that. But again, uh, check us out at the book signing this Saturday, University Bookstore. We'll check back with you next Wednesday, another edition of Walk on Wisconsin for Joel Nellis, the assistant coach at Brookfield Central, former Wisconsin tight end, co-author of walk on this way. Uh, This is Jay Kokorowski for Bucky's fifth quarter. Guys, take care. Have a great night and a great week.